Well, I want to share with you tonight from the Word of God, and um, hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. It's been a little while since we've stood behind the pulpit, except for funerals. We still do that quite often, but this is a treat to just get a minister and share the Word of God with you uh, this evening. So um, I uh, studied two sermons for tonight and asked the Lord which one he would want me to share, and sometimes God's hard hearing, or he is for me anyway. But uh, I feel like I did get a confirmation from the Lord. And um, I just want to talk to you tonight about faith, but true, our true identity in Christ. Um, I did a series some years ago, and um, our faith is solely built on the Word of God and believing in Jesus Christ. The Bible said, He that comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And um, I found, as I sought the Lord, he began to reveal himself to me and touch me in a way that uh, there was an empty place in my life and a void in my life that I found out only God could fill in my life. If you try to figure out intellectually salvation in God, you'll never get the job done. But it's by faith in you believing God's word and believing what the Word of God says about Jesus. So our faith is built on the Word of God, and it's also built very much on the character and the nature of God. God is truly a good God. He's good all the time. And then as we accept Him and begin to practice the Word of God, our faith grows. And we begin to understand uh, our identity of really who God has made us to be, our true identity. I was 18 when I received the Lord, and I can tell you, when I received the Lord, I didn't have a clue in my life who I was or where I, oh, I knew I was born to my mom and dad. I knew my name. But um, beyond that, things that I dreamed, things that I had envisioned of doing with my life, um, when I accepted Jesus, it all began to change in my life. And uh, I believe for the better. So I want to talk to you tonight about our, tr our true identity in Jesus Christ. And um, our faith grows as we understand who we are in and through Jesus Christ. Jesus is not a myth. He's not something just written on pages of a book that's thousands of years old. He's a real person. He came to this earth. God sent him, God's only begotten son, and gave his life and gave us a model to live by and, and to understand why we're here. We, I want to begin uh, to understand more of the truth from God's perspective and His fulfillment that He brings in our lives, the contentment that He brings in our life. I've been accused by some people of just not caring about things. But, you know, there's a peace that God brings into our life and a contentment. Mike talked about a lack of anxiety last week when the Lord sets us free and we're His sons and daughters. I want to talk a little bit more about that tonight, but... Many people suffer from a mistaken identity. And 
I don't know if you know it or not, but the enemy, we have a real enemy, the kingdom of darkness, and he's God's enemy and he's our enemy, and I can tell you this, he hates you. And it's through darkness and through people that the enemy does his work because he really has very little power or influence in our lives until we begin to believe his lies and the lies that come through many different things, but many things can affect our identity and it's the enemy's desire. Abortion is such a thing that we see as an enemy's desire to take the life of a child, a person, before they're even born. But he begins as soon as he can to damage our lives, to hurt us any way he can, to discourage us any way he can. And it's kind of funny tonight, but when I went to school, I, I never did like school very much. But kids teased me because I had big ears. You can laugh, it's okay. Uh, they said I looked like a taxi cab going down the road with the doors open. How many of you know kids can be very, very, very cruel? But how many of you really realize that the enemy absolutely wants to hurt us because we are created in the image and likeness of God? It separates us from the animal world. We are not animals. We have the ability to reason, to think. Animals can only do what God hardwired them to do and to be. And they really can't get out of that sphere. Some of them are smart, some of them can learn a lot and do a lot, but if you can compare them with humans, there's no comparison whatsoever. We are wonderfully, beautifully made in the image and likeness of God. And God gave us a choice. Yeah, animals have choices to some degree, but they are very, very limited. But people, we have choices, unlimited choices, and we make choices on a daily basis that are astronomical they can be they can be for life or death they can be for for as long as we live as long as we both shall live amen it's been working for my wife and I 52 years that's a serious decision but God made us but the enemy hates us and he wants to do everything he can to hurt you to hurt your children as quick as he can in life and he does that through making fun of us, criticizing us, belittling, disliking us and putting us in classes and abuse and neglect. There's so many ways, but he just don't ever want us to really feel the presence of God and the love of God in our lives that we can begin to understand who we really are in and through Jesus Christ. Because he has made you so special so precious and so beautiful. And everything you love about life, your family, your children, your grandchildren, the, your work, your skills, it's God that has given you that ability and that grace and touched your life with so many wonderful, wonderful things. But the world and people, they want to damage that and take it away from you. But I believe your Creator who designed you, is the only one that who can really give you your true identity and help you understand that life is beautiful. Life is precious if we live it through faith in God 
and have some kind of a God compass in our lives that helps us know right from wrong and stay on track and love people the way God really wanted us to love people and get along the way God wanted us to. The most important belief I believe that any person can ever possess is their belief about God and their belief about Jesus Christ. To take that step of faith and dare believe that God created us and God loves us and God has the best things in store for us and the plan for our lives as we go on. And God has created us with so many abilities, the ability to create and invent and do such miraculous, marvelous, wonderful things. It's all because we were created in the image and the likeness of God. Look, your mom and dad might have gave you a lot, but you didn't get every good thing from them. You got a lot of good things from your creator and your maker. And I believe the most second important decision you'll ever make in your life and, or, and find out in your life is who you are in God. And begin to draw your life and your, your self-worth and your value from God. I was able to start doing that at 18 years of age. And it certainly changed my life in so many wonderful, wonderful ways. As I look back, I would hate to thank the course I was on at 18. If I would have stayed on that course, I hate to think where I would have ended up. I can tell you it wouldn't have been good for me. I don't know about you. I'm speaking for myself, but it wouldn't have been good. If we don't see ourselves the way God sees us, and to that degree, we're going to suffer from a wrong identity and who we really are in Christ. It's not what we do that determines who we are, but it's who we are that determines what we do. Tonight I want to share five truths with you from God's Word of how God sees us and what God provided for us through the person of Jesus Christ, our true identity. In the natural, I have a birth certificate. Mine was a mess. I had to call my congressman when I wanted to take a mission trip to Central America. I had to call my congressman to get a birth certificate because I didn't have any. I was born in a log house with no doctor present, no nurse present, some kind of a midwife. I don't know what it was. All I know is they wouldn't let my brother Bob in the house. He, told, he said they wouldn't let me in that day. I said, man, I'm glad they didn't. Me and Bob have a good time together kidding each other. But I didn't have a birth certificate, but you know I know I was born because I'm here. And I know my name because my mom and dad gave me my name. And I ain't sure who I'm named after, but I think I was named after my dad's boss, Wilbur Hostetter. A lot of people don't even know my name. All they know me by is Pastor Webb. My name is Wilbur Kane, but everybody that knows me calls me Pastor Webb. And I had good parents, and I had a wonderful family. Not that they didn't have faults and errors and problems, because we all do. But overall, I had a good mom and dad, and my daddy taught me a lot of good things because I was a cane. I grew up a cane, and I raised cane in more ways than one. <laughs> but... My dad was a good dad. My dad only had one hand. He got his hand shot off when he was 12 years old in a hunting accident, his uh, left hand. But he was a heavy equipment operator, so I got to operate 
trucks and tractors and bulldozers. Dad loved bulldozers. He always, that was one of the things all the kids got to do. Was, it's pretty cool to drive a bulldozer. You don't have no steering wheel. It's just got sticks. And uh, I had, because I was a cane and because I was mom and dad's kid, I had, I had a lot of wonderful things around me that happened to me. New bicycles. My daddy took me to get my first new car. 1956 Ford Fairlane. Two-door sedan, 292, uh, automatic. First thing I did was tore the automatic transmission out, but Dad was a welder, and we tore it all apart and put a new clutch in it and uh, all that pilot shaft bearing and the clutch assembly, and I had a stick shift with a floor shift. So I was one happy boy. <laughs> but I just make the, the point in the natural, to take you from the natural to the spiritual tonight, I remember at home, I'd tap maple trees on our little farm, and my mama would boil it down into maple syrup and fix me up the biggest batch of pancakes you've ever seen. I could eat more pancakes than you can imagine. But my mom was good to me. I was the eighth born and only had one little sister younger than me, and mom favored me a little bit. And Man, I just had a lot of wonderful things happen to me. Mom loved me, and I was loved by my mom and dad, and I had a good heritage. But how much more spiritually do we have a good heritage tonight? I remember my birthday spiritually in December of 1968. I was dating my wonderful wife, and definitely she's the best part of this marriage. And really the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life next to Jesus. Anybody that lived with me for 52 years has got to be a saint. And it's okay for her to say amen. But I remember when I got saved at 18 years old at a country altar. It kind of saddens me. They take the altars out of churches, but we still got steps. So we still got altars. And I've seen these steps full of people crying and praying and talking to Jesus. But I remember when I got saved, me and Barb. I'll have to be careful on the time tonight. Barb and I, my mom was a praying woman. She loved the Lord. And I was crazy. And I had got involved with an older woman and wanted to marry her. It had been one of the biggest mistakes I ever made in my life, and my mama knew it. And she fasted and prayed seven days and nights that I wouldn't marry that woman. And I'd be discouraged and meet somebody else. And within a matter of a few days, with my dad's help, because I didn't have enough nerve to ask my wife out, but my daddy offered his car because mine didn't have a door on it. I just bought a Rex Super B, and it didn't have a door on it. So my daddy let me use his car to take her out on the first date, and I called her and asked her, and I'd have never did it if dad wouldn't have been standing there encouraging me. All she can do is say no. She's going to say yes. He must have had faith. But anyway, she said yes, and I couldn't believe it. I told her a second date. I said, if you don't want to marry me, you better not ever see me again. And she said, fine, I won't see you no more. <laughs> that was a Saturday night, Sunday morning, about 10 o'clock. I was very sad and grieved, but I was still in bed sleeping. And she came down to the house, lived about three and a half miles down a, a gravel road. And she came down and knocked on the door and said, I want to talk to Webb. So mom got me up. 
Barb and I went out and talked about a couple, three hours, I don't know. I still felt the same way. I hadn't changed any. And in three months, we was, we was married. But a couple weeks, I wanted to get married, and I wasn't old enough to sign to get married. How many of you know you had to be 21 back then to get married? Or you had to have an adult sign for you? So my dad took my wife to get the paperwork and Linda Crotchet, the secretary there, thought that dad and mom wanted to get married. Or dad and Barb wanted to get married. <laughs> Had a big laugh over it. Tickle, tickle dad. But my mama came on the scene and had fasted and prayed all that time and uh, that's when I met Barb and got uninterested in this other person that I was really never interested in anyway. But I got uninterested and uh, my mom said, I'm going to make you a deal. I said, all right. She said, we'll sign for you to get married if you'll come to church for two weeks and not miss any church. So me and Barb got our heads together. Yeah, this will be a piece of cake. We'll go to church for two weeks. We'll get married, and then we'll go on and do our thing. They didn't tell me they had four services a week, three and four hours a time. Buddy, they had church, and I'm not exaggerating. And Barb, make a long story short, Barb and I both gave our hearts to Jesus that night. That 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 next within the next week or so, two weeks as we was attending church, and that was in December of '68, the fall of '68, January 25th, '69. We got married, and uh, I've never been out of church since. My friends told me you won't laugh, but they didn't know about Jesus. Because he's a keeper. He wants you for good. And he did a work in my heart and in my life. And I just want to tell you that if you're here tonight and you've never, and it's not a hard thing to do, the Bible said this, if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is unto salvation. It's just a matter of you saying, Jesus, I believe you. I believe you came. I believe you died. I believe you rose again, and I want you in my heart and in my life. It's that simple. And it's at that point God met me when I did that. And you say, I was witnessing to an atheist one day on the top of the St. Louis Arch. And I don't know how I got talking to him, but we got to talking and he told me he was an atheist. He didn't believe in the Lord. And he looked at me and he said, how do you know that what you have is real? And I told him, I said, because when I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins, Something happened on the inside of me. I can't tell you what. But I can tell you something happened on the inside of me and I was never the same from that day to this. And I knew God had answered my prayer. And the, the things that I were doing that were pretty sad and pitiful, a lot of things, that I was never bothered about before. All of a sudden, I was bothered about things in my life that I knew displeased God. 
And I began to ask God to help me change those things. And God began to help me change those things in my life that I was ashamed of, that were hurting me, my family, and other people that I was involved with. And there was a, a, an inner peace came into my heart in my life that transformed me. I had never before thought about wanting to go to church. You've got to be kidding me. Want to go to church? But all of a sudden, I wanted to go to church four times a week, two or three hours of service. And we did. And, and we not only did, we enjoyed it and loved it and couldn't do without it. And I just tell you that it's different for everybody. But I can tell you God changes you on the inside. And one of the things that changed in my life, I had such a hunger for the Word of God, I couldn't put it down. I had to read that Bible. I had to read the Gospels. I had to read the Epistles. I had to read the Word, read the Word, read the Word. Eat the Word. Eat the spiritual food. And I've never quit eating that Word and feasting on that Word. So it takes me tonight to these truths that I want to share with you, and I promise I won't take long. I can't preach longer than Matt because I'll be in trouble if I do. But what, a, what an inheritance and a heritage we have in God. The first thing that happens in our lives and that God makes available to us, and I want to say to you, God makes you righteous. And He gives you righteousness that you could never get on your own. Only God can bring it to you. And I give you two scriptures tonight. But of Him are you in Christ, Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. In the second scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For He has made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Righteousness only comes through faith. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. The whole account of our father of faith, Abraham, in Romans chapter 4, if you read that, what you're going to find out is the justification of Abraham came through faith and righteousness came to him through faith and faith only. Not of works. Not of anything he did, but say, yes, God. In you and I, righteousness comes to us when we say, yes, Lord. And what does that mean for us? In the Greek and the Hebrew, it all means the same thing as Webster. Webster says, free from guilt or sin, that we are cleansed, we are declared just, we are declared innocent by the Lord, and we stand before God clean, Forgiven, innocent, because of what God, through the person of Jesus Christ on the cross, did for us. Righteousness comes to us through simple, childlike faith. And listen to me, 
You are as righteous as you will ever be in your life. You're ready for heaven. You can say, beam me up, Scotty. Some of you don't even probably know that. But you're, you're ready to go. If something happens... Listen, I have lived for the last 52 years of my life knowing if something happened to me, it's okay. It's okay. Because listen, I'm going to take my last breath here and my first breath with the Lord, my Heavenly Father. And if you really believe that, that's not, not such a bad trip. I'm begrudging a little of, of Diane and Cheryl, your husband. They, they done, done beat us. I want you just to think about God made you righteous. I didn't Listen, I'm not telling you what I think tonight. I'm telling you what God says and what God thinks about you. You're righteous. And the second thing, you're forgiven. And not partially. Totally, completely forgiven. Ephesians 1.7 In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, accordingly to the riches of His grace, His divine nature, we have received through His blood forgiveness of sin. Romans 4 Seven, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. In Isaiah 43, 25, I've blotted out your transgressions. I will not remember your sins. We are totally forgiven, totally righteous because of what He did, not because of what we did or we're doing. He does it. You can never earn it. You can never deserve it. You can never figure it out. It's a gift. It's just a matter of you believing God and you receiving it. And the third thing, I am free in Christ. Mike preached a wonderful message last Saturday night on true freedom for every believer, and every individual. I am free in Christ. What does it mean? What are we free from? Well, we're free from sin and shame and all of that that came with it. Psalms 146 verse 7, the Lord looses the prisoners. How many of you know that you can be in prison over many things? Many kinds of prisons hold us. America is slaves to materialism. And they can absolutely own us or we can own them. Things. But America is full of it. And we don't need God because we can provide everything ourselves. We have an abundance in our nation, an abundance. We have everything we need and we really can do without God. We're okay. But the truth is not, we're not okay. And it's okay to have things, and I've got things. But things don't control my life. And I'm not too attached to anything that I can't leave here. When it's time to go, and I ain't worrying and fussing and stewing about who's going to get what, there ain't going to be much. 
said, I ain't worried about it because I'll be gone. John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth. And there's only one place, church, you're ever going to find truth. And it's in God's holy word. Truth. You shall know the truth and the truth about Jesus and it'll make you free. In John 8, 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Free from worldly status quo. Free from thinking you have to measure up to what somebody else says or does or thinks. Free to choose God and free to love. Isn't that a wonderful thing that we're free to love? We're free to love our enemies. That's what Jesus said. We're free to love people that hate us and even do us wrong. We are free through Christ and in Christ. And it's Him that brings to us truths of of love and life that helps us so much live our lives the way God would have us to live them. He changes us. And we don't have to worry about the Joneses anymore. My wife tells me I'm getting a ball spot in back. I said, well, I ain't going to do nothing about it. What you see is what you get. I'll tell you the truth, though. I would wear a burr if my ears wasn't so big. How many of you are glad we can laugh and have fun? You might as well figure it out because if you don't, you're going to be an unhappy camper. And I'll tell you something else, folks. How many of you figured out by now you can't control other people? How many of you know you ain't supposed to? Just let them, let them, just love them where they are and let them be who they are and who God's made them to be. And just maybe you don't know it all anyway. Come on, we might as well laugh about it. The quicker you figure that out, that you can't control things, and you can't control people, and you can't control a lot of situations and circumstances, the quicker you figure that out, and you just learn to rest and be free of that anxiety and that torment and that fear, the more happy and fulfilled you're going to be. And I'm going to tell you something, God can help you do that. I've never found anybody else that can help me with that. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you I've perfected it. But I can tell you this, God's brought me a long way from where I used to be. And He'll take you on down the road if you'll let Him. I'm a new, and for I'm a new creation. We're brand, we're brand new people in Christ. Old things have passed away. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And I can tell you God changes everything in our lives. He adds so much good, so much pleasant, and so much that's enjoyable. Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship, His masterpieces, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has ordained before that we should walk in them, doing good, loving doing good, and enjoying all the good of life that God's put around us as we serve Him and as we love Him. And the last one tonight, the fifth truth I share with you from His Word, 
We are deeply loved by the Lord. I can't begin to tell you tonight or explain or with the words of how much God loves you. But the Bible says in 1 John 4, by this was the love of God manifested to us in sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. If that doesn't prove the love of God to you, I don't know what could possibly prove it. He sent His only begotten Son to die for you on the cross, who was absolutely, totally innocent and sinless. But He came, gave His life willingly and freely for you because He loves you. He loves you that much. And the, the Bible said God chose you before you ever chose Him. He hunted me down like a hound. Wouldn't turn me loose. Knocked on my heart's door. Sent people to talk to me about Jesus. I remember the first time I met my pastor, Pastor Magus, and my brother-in-law, Carl. Carl, where are you at? Carl's here tonight. Well, me and Carl, Carl worked for Ducey Packing Company, a meat packing company, and Carl told me, we was delivering meat, and Carl told me, he said, we're going to a preacher's place of business in Alton, and you better not cuss. <laughs> sure enough, buddy, I let out a big old string of cuss words in there. Brother Magus drugged me back in the meat cooler, back there where the halves of bees. Buddy, he worked me over. <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. But I'm telling you, he, he let me know that he wasn't going to tolerate that in his place of business. Carl, whoever, whoever thought we'd be where we was, and God would do what he did. It, it's amazing how much God loves us, how much he loves you. Don't ever doubt that God loves you. Don't ever cheapen the cross by you saying you don't believe in God or you don't want God in your life. Why wouldn't you want the God that created you and gave you life and created the universe and every good thing that we have? Why you wouldn't you want that kind of a God in your life? God is not religion. God is not laws of do's and don'ts. God is a spirit and we worship Him in spirit and in truth. And His Son became flesh, became humanity and gave His life for us and modeled for us what a Son of God could be and how a Son of God could live. Because He loved us that much. 1 John 3 and 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us so that we should be called the sons of God. Verse 2, Beloved, now, would you say with me now, we are the sons of God. And it does not appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And it may sound blasphemous, but you have the same spirit that Jesus had. You have the same word that He gave. You have the same character and nature available to you that He modeled. And when He comes, we're going to know Him because we're going to be like Him. And He's coming. The scoffers say He's not coming. I don't care what the scoffers say. He said, I will return. And He's coming. Isaiah 43 verse 4, Since thou was precious in my sight, how many of you know God thinks you're precious, that you're special? Thou has been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore, I will give man for thee and people for thy life. 
1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, and he does, we ought to love one another, and we do. 4, 16, 1 John, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. Do you know it? Do you believe it? Come on, church. Do you know that love of God? Isn't it a wonderful, wonderful thing to believe in that love, to know that love, to embrace that love? Herein is our love made perfect because we had a perfect Savior, a perfect model, and a perfect friend. I'm going to skip the Roman Scriptures, and I want to bring this to a close tonight. I haven't had dinner yet, and I'm getting hungry. And I want to bring this to a close tonight with giving you some references from God's Word. We're not going to put this up on the screen. You just listen. This is what some of the things that God says about you and that God calls you. You can come on up, you guys. Praise team. God says that we are His children. How many of you feel like you're one of God's kids tonight? How many of you know we go through rough times and hard times, but no matter what we go through, we're children of God. We're sons and daughters. We're heirs. We're joint heirs with Christ. He called us His beloved. We are the apple of God's eye. Now, Barb's the apple of my eye on this earth. I got a couple other smaller apples. One of them sitting here tonight. My daughter, Melissa, and Mary. They're apples in Dad's eye. God knows us by name. The Scripture declares that He knows every hair on your head. Now, some of you, He don't have much trouble. He gives us a new name. He calls us His sheep. My sheep know my voice. He calls us redeemed. He calls us a new creature. He calls us a friend of God. He calls us His bride. He calls us the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. He calls us kings and priests unto our God. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We are a city set on a hill. We are the Israel of God. We are fellow citizens with all saints. We are the household of God. We are a new man. We are accepted in the beloved. We are faithful. We are His workmanship. We have an everlasting name. And God said, I will write on you, New Jerusalem, the name of the city of God. And I'd like to close with this one verse of Scripture tonight. This is in John chapter 10, verse 28. St. John 10, 28. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish 
neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Would you stand with us tonight? And let's worship the Lord. And I would like to close this service tonight this way with worship, yes. But if you're here tonight and you've never said, Jesus, I want you to forgive me. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. If you're here tonight, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm not going to have you come up. I'm not going to have you kneel down. You can do it right where you're standing. In between you and God. Because listen, when life's all over, it's just going to be in between you and God. There won't be anybody else there. Just you and God. And tonight, if you've got any doubt about your relationship with God and being right in your heart with God, it's a simple, simple matter of faith in you just saying tonight, Lord, forgive me. Jesus, I want you in my heart and in my life. God will do the rest. He will change you inside, give you a new peace, a new strength, a new grace, a new awareness of God that you've never had in your life. If you believe that in your heart tonight and you're willing to say that to God, you shall be saved.